you are. The Good Shepherd. You are great. You are our powerful, awesome God. And Lord, through the blood of Jesus, we can stand in this place knowing that if we've asked you intentionally to come into our life, we've repented of our sins, and we've turned to Jesus Christ. And Lord, that day when Christ shall come, the shout of acclamation, wow. Oh, Father, open your word to us this morning as you have opened this entire service to our heart. May we hear and may we discern, but Father, the most important thing, all of us in this house, we're called to respond. Thank you, Father. Thank you for being our good shepherd. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Open your Bibles. If you've not already done so, to John chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. Once again, the fourth I am statement from the Gospel of John. I won't go back to the history of the word I am other than to say the special, the very precious name of God given to Moses at the burning bush. Once again, John refers to that when he says, I am. Ego I me in the Greek. Two words for I. But it's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Yahweh, the name of God. John chapter 10, the Word of God says this, I am, Jesus says, the Good Shepherd. And I know my sheep, and am known by my own. And as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them must I also bring, and they will hear my voice, and they, there will be one flock and one shepherd. Ladies and gentlemen, the people of Israel understood Yahweh as the shepherd of Israel. They were very familiar with the use of the word in respect to God. And now Jesus says something very solemn and very powerful when he says he's the good shepherd. The good shepherd. He makes it very clear to them because the shepherd was the lowest of all classes Always traveling with his flock, most shepherds spent the majority of their time taking care of the sheep. So being a shepherd was a job 24-7. And isn't it just like, the, just like Jesus that he refers to himself as the lowest of the earth in order to bring home the very fact that he is our good shepherd? Wow. By the time of adolescence, shepherd boys knew the art of the work, and they knew efficiently how to do it. And in order to proclaim his deity as God's son, Jesus returns to his understanding, this understanding of him in the ministry, and he tells the people, and he says to them, I am the good shepherd. And in all four of these statements... Of I am statements. Jesus tells something about his character, about who Jesus is. And as we move to Easter, I wanted us to have an emphasis on the power of who God is through Jesus Christ. As the song of very familiar hymn, the choir just did, How Great Thou Art. And so this morning, I want us to look at these attributes, the attributes that Jesus describes himself by using the term Good shepherd. And the first one is simply this. It's taken from verse 14. And Jesus Christ is what? He's our good shepherd. 
Now, I want you to understand something. The Greek word for good is a little word called kalos. It means good life, that which is honorable, righteous, and pure, and decent, and excellent, and upright, and noble. It means a life without blame that cannot be justly or accurately blamed with any sin or any evil. It is good. Have you ever wondered why Jesus referred to himself as the good shepherd? Was he simply a good guy doing a great job at his work? So many people are basing their salvation on the fact that, hey, I'm a good person. I treat everybody well. I do good at my work. I don't break the law. I am a good husband. I am a good father. I am a good person. And yet Mark chapter 10 verse 18 says, And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? There is no one but good, Kalos, and that is God. But the word good here is another word for good in the Greek language, and it's the word agathos. Literally in the Greek, it comes from the word agape, which means love, and it means devoted. It means given over to the truth. Jesus could have used that word to refer to who he was, but he didn't. He intentionally used the word kalos, and he says by being kalos in this, that he is the good shepherd. He is the blameless shepherd. He is the only son of God that can save you from your sin. John three sixteen. Being memorized now in our Awana ministry. For God, help me say it. For God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His what? Only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would never perish but would have eternal life. In John 3.16 it says that word monogene, only begotten. And folks, it's the one and only Son. It is the only son God would ever have. There's not going to be another Jesus. There's no other way to get to heaven than through the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And it's amazing how many people are inventing other ways to heaven. Now, not, they're not of the word. They're their own way they're trying to figure out. That there's other ways to heaven than through Jesus. Bah! Humbug! No way is there any other way to Jesus, than the other way to heaven than through Jesus. When Jesus looked at Thomas in John chapter 14, what did Jesus say to Thomas? I am what way? The only way. The only truth and the only life. I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd who will die for you. I am the shepherd who will give my blood in your behalf that you can know me personally and your sin will be eradicated, blotted out, forgiven. So in the first place this morning, Jesus says something very simple. We read it in the English language, he's the good shepherd. But when you look at the Greek part of the word good, you understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm your savior. I'm with you 24-7. My blood shed for you. And now all you must do is have faith in me from the understanding that you must ask me to come into your life. Realizing that I died for you on the cross. I took every sin you and everybody else would ever commit. And as a result of my blood being shed for you at your personal invitation for the forgiveness of sin, I can eradicate, I can obliterate, I can take care and forgive and see to your sin. But you've got to ask. 
And yet so many people are basing it on an emotion. So many people base it on an act of what they did rather than a personal invitation. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I need the good shepherd. Because you died for me on that cross. And I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Jesus is our good shepherd. Have you done that? Here's the second thing. So he's told us in the first place who he is already in that statement. Then he takes it one step further. In verse 14, the second part of verse 14, he says, Jesus Christ knows his sheep. And look at this. They know him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And the second part of that verse, I am known by them. Now let me say something to you. That word know there means to know intimately. The Greek people had a different way to describe no. They had no from knowledge standpoint. Then they had no from the standpoint of an intimate awareness. The wife and husband know each other. Children know their parents. It is an intimate awareness. It is a fact of life. And Jesus says, first of all, I know my sheep. Every shepherd knew every sheep in his fold. That's why when the sheep was cast, that is, turned over, he knew exactly who, where he was and how to get to him, and he would do his best to get to him and turn that sheep back over. Remember the 90 and 9? And Jesus says, go after the one. He's always looking over his shepherd, his sheep. He's always there. And those sheep know the voice of that shepherd, and they know that shepherd. The shepherd goes one way. Guess who follows him? The sheep. One right after another. And once that lead sheep gets after the shepherd, all the rest of them are following almost in single file around with him. That's the fact. The shepherd knows the sheep. But I want you to see the second part of this. In that number two point, I said Jesus Christ knows his sheep and they know him. Did you hear that? They know him. Now, folks, I have asked so many people in 40 plus years of ministry. Have you come to the place in your life that you know for certain that you've invited Jesus Christ into your life and that if you died today, would you be in heaven with Jesus? And you know what the response is? I hope so. Well, I think I have. If you're in this congregation and you're breathing sitting up this morning and you may just think you are the bible has just proven you wrong the word of god says you don't ever just think you're saved you don't ever just well maybe i am i hope i am the bible says it right here i know my sheep and i am known by they know me They don't just hope they know me. They don't just think they know me. They know me. There was no question about that. In your family, it would be utterly ridiculous to think, in this case, if you've lived with your mother and dad all their life, to say, I don't know my mother and dad. I just think I know mom and dad. Well, maybe I do. 
I knew every inch of my mother and dad from top to bottom. I knew how they thought. They knew how I thought. We had an intimacy with each other. We had, Bethy knows the same thing about me. Connie knows the same thing about me. Matthew, I mean, Mike, all the whole family. We know each other. Why? Because we've lived together. We know what makes each other tick. We know what makes our brains and our hearts work together. If you would ask Bethany, does she know her dad? There's probably about a hundred percent chance she would say, I know him quite well. Can you imagine my own daughter sitting out here saying, I think I do. Do you see how absurd that is? And yet people are saying today, do you know you're saved, been in church for years, and they're saying, well, I think I am. Folks, I don't want to wait and find out the second after I die. I want to know now, and the Bible says, the Bible says, these things have I written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know Jesus knows his sheep, and they know him. Wow. Jesus Christ knows his sheep. They're dependent on him. They watch every move he makes without question. And then there's a third one I want you to hear this morning. There's a third one. It's found in verses 15 and 16 about what it says about the fact that Jesus is our good shepherd. Jesus Christ gave his life for his sheep. Is that what I said? No. Got to put that word in there. How many of his sheep did he give his life for? It's on the screen. All. Jesus Christ gave his life for all of his sheep. Once died and forever. When the Bible says that Jesus died in the Greek language, that language literally means action that is, is punctilier. That's a big word that just simply means it's finished. It's done. It was a one-time event. Jesus will never need to die again for you and me. He died once and for all for our sin. His blood, every drop of it, was shed, not spilled for you and me. And as a result of that, His blood has covered the altar. And as a result, He can forgive and is forgiving our sin constantly. Folks, the power of the forgiving power of Jesus Christ, the fact that He gave His life, intentionally for us. John chapter 15, verse 13 says it. Remember what it says? Greater is he who is, I mean, the greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. What would a shepherd do for the sheep? He'd lay down his life. He was the gate. Remember a couple weeks ago? And now Jesus is saying, I'm not only your gate, I am not only your protector, I am not only the one that's going to open the door for you into heaven, I'm your good shepherd. I am the one that's with you 24-7. little girl in Sunday school one time, the teacher was asking in the children's class, can anybody quote the 23rd Psalm? And the little girl stood up, and she just as proud as could be stood up and said, Jesus, he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything else ever again. And she sat down. And that teacher stood up, and she was telling some of her church folks about it after the fact. And she says, you know, I think this little girl knew exactly what, John, what the 23rd Psalm actually meant. When she said, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't need anything else. And we don't, folks. Lord's my shepherd. He, is, he died for you and me. He gave his life for his sheep. Now, I want you to look at something with me in the second part about that. Now, he lays down his life. Remember the door. But look at verse 16. 
And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, look at this, them also I must bring. It doesn't say we wait for them to come to us. Them also I must bring. It's exciting to watch folks when they come in here and they're hearing the Word of God throughout this church. I'm not talking about from this preacher. It's exciting on Wednesday night to see these Arawana kids come in here and they're learning Scripture. What are we doing? Folks, we're taking the vans and we're going out getting them and bringing them here. That's what the Bible teaches. Them I must bring. And they, what? Will hear my voice. How? Because the Word of God is being proclaimed. The Word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Remember that? So when you get people together and you read this book, what is the promise of God? There's power in this book. There's power in teaching the Word of God, letting it speak for itself. There is power in children and adults memorizing Scripture over and over and over again. Why? Because you are putting the Word of God in your heart. And for our kids around here and all throughout our congregation and whatever, folks, don't you ever stop memorizing the Word of God. Ever. David had it right in the psalmist when he said, Thy Word I've put right in here. What's it do that I might not sin against God? You see, Jesus is our good shepherd. He laid down his life for us. And now what you and I must do is that we must go out and do like we've never done before and bring the Pope people in. It's I must bring them. And as you bring them, get them under the hearing of the word of God. And the Bible says, literally, they will hear my voice. And what's going to happen? There'll be unity like you wouldn't believe. There'll be one and one shepherd, and that is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Wow. Folks, I hope and I pray. People say, Randy, you just get too enthusiastic sometimes. And I do. I'm old-fashioned in that respect. But I do that because of what this book says over and over and over, but especially of this I am statement when Jesus says, Randy, I'm your good shepherd. We were at a conference this past week with the Sunday School Conference at First Baptist Woodstock. And Johnny Hunt spoke and he made a statement of that referring to an old country preacher about his passion, about passion to bring the people in, about passion of who Jesus Christ. And the old Mississippi country preacher mounted the pulpit one Sunday morning and he prayed, Okay, Lord, give thy servant the morning, this morning, the eyes of an eagle and the wisdom of an owl. And he says, illuminate my brow with the Son of Heaven and possess my mind with love for the people. And that old country preacher went on to say, turpentine my imagination, grease my lips, electrify my brain with the lightning of the Word of God, and fill me plumb full of the dynamic dynamite of thy glory. Anoint me all over with the kerosene of salvation and set me on fire. That's what I want to see in our churches. That's what I want to see. I love that. Anoint me with the kerosene of salvation. I want all of you right now in your heart to go back to the time or that place or or moment or whatever that you know you asked Jesus Christ into your life. 
And when I said that, you went back. Somebody had to tell you about Jesus, either a preacher or mother, dad, brother, sister. Somebody told you about Jesus. And when they did, 33 things happened. That's another sermon, and I won't do that today. But the most important thing is that Jesus Christ came in your life. He regenerated you. He transformed you. He obliterated your sin. He forgave your sin. He made you a new person, literally, to walk in him. Now, folks, let me tell you something. When God does something about that in your life, you're a different person. It's not I think so. It's not I hope so. It's maybe. He says, bless God, I'm saved, and I know it. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm your good shepherd. I'm that blameless shepherd. I'm that shepherd that will take away your sin if you will just ask me. I am that shepherd that will give my life and has given my life for you. Realize that very fact and then move out in service like never, ever, ever, ever before. And get the excitement, the passion that you had at the moment that Jesus Christ came into your life. And you knew then that God literally would use you and he has used you without question. Philip Keller, you remember the book I referred to you back weeks ago. A little book called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And he talks about a sheep. Remember I told you at the beginning of this message that is cast, C-A-S-T. In other words, the sheep gets turned over. And when the sheep gets turned over in his back, he cannot turn back over unless the shepherd turns him over. And if he doesn't turn back over, he will die. And so when the shepherd restores a cast down sheep, it doesn't happen immediately. It takes time. And if you read back into the, the words of what a shepherd does, he lovingly massages the four legs of that sheep to get the circulation back. Then he begins in a reassuring tone to the sheep to tell him that he's going to be okay, that he's going to work it out. Then he gently turns that sheep over because that sheep understands and hears his voice. It's a calming factor to that sheep. And the shepherd takes that old sheep and turns him over and lifts him up because the sheep can't stand up on his own once he's been cast. The shepherd literally has to hold him up. And how many times in Randy Cheek's life has Randy Cheek got turned slap upside down and God had to turn me over. And then when he turned me over, I found out I couldn't walk anymore. And he had to pick me up and hold on to me. Man, so many times I feel like that's what God does to me. He picks me up and he says, hold on, i got to teach you to walk. Just hang on, we're going to do it together. And he holds that animal up while the sheep begins to get some equilibrium. You ever been vertigo and you couldn't stand up good? The blood begins to flow in the legs and there has some stability. And when the shepherd is sure that the sheep can stand on his own, then the shepherd will lovingly have the sheep follow him home. What a picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. you feel like you turned upside down? Do you feel like there is no circulation? Do you feel like the fire spiritually has gone out of your gut? And you call on the shepherd and said, Lord, I need you to turn me over. But I haven't walked in so long. You've got to hold on to me, Father. And the only way that can happen is for you to come to him and say, Lord, I've been turned over. You're the good shepherd. I'm coming home. I'm coming home like never before. And I may not be able to do everything I used to do physically, but one thing I can do is get on my face before God and for you constantly for God's people. And I promise you, Lord, I'm going to do that. Jesus is our good shepherd. But now, 
Remember what the sheep did? He followed him home. He followed him home. And that's what I want us to do this morning. Will you bow your head and every head bowed and every eye closed as we close this time of worship? This place down here becomes an altar. It becomes a place of sacrifice. It becomes a place of giving yourself once again to God. People say, you mean I have to come down there to do that? No. It's a symbolic place where the church can gather together to pray for one another, to pray for the body. And here is my passion, like that old country preacher, is for God's people like never before, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, to get on their face before God and come together as the body of Christ and just pray. Pray like never before. Pray for the fire of God to fall down through the power of His Spirit on God's church here and all over the world like never before. Pray for the fire to get back in the guts of Christian people. Pray literally for the fact of of the Good Shepherd to understand what Jesus is saying. He's not making a statement. He's proclaiming a truth. That's my passion, folks. God, turn us back over. Turn us back over through your power as the shepherd. And Lord, for many of us, if not all of us in this room, including this old preacher, you're going to have to hold us up. But as you hold us up, we'll learn how to walk again and we'll follow you like never before. We've let the things of this world turn us upside down. We've let the things of this world diffuse our thinking and take our focus off Jesus. And we've got it on everything else. And we've taken it off of you. It's over, Father. It's over. Jesus is Lord. And we're going to proclaim that as never before in our life. God, may this be the day. Once again, people will hear stronger than they've ever heard. I am the good and only shepherd. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, our invitation is very appropriate. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wow. Wherever he leads me. Will you do that? I want you to stand with us right now over this house. This place becomes an altar. Whatever. Perhaps you need to come and join Olive Springs. to talk with Matthew and I. Perhaps you don't know Jesus. And this morning it's been an I don't know or I think I'm not sure. We want to make it a no, a God thing for you before you leave. And we can show you exactly what that means. And this morning, if you know Jesus Christ and as a sheep, you've just been turned upside down. That you're not concerned anymore or as strongly concerned about spiritual things as in the past. You want to change that. Only you can change that. I can't do it for you. But God can. And God can turn you back over and set you on a path. And Lord, bless God, He'll teach you how to walk all over again. That's the God we worship. He's the good shepherd. Amen? Amen. You sing. You come. Whatever God wants you to do, let's do that as we close this service. Let's pray together. And let's sing right now.